Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, in studio. Back in studio. We're back, baby. The Big Deacon, Adam Conk. How's it going? The Big Deacon. It's going great. How are you, Paul? Good, man. We were both on the road last week, so uh, obviously we couldn't record, but it's good to see you. It's great to see you. Where were you last week? So I was in uh, West Texas leading a men's retreat, and you were... I was in San Francisco. Even further away on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, at a liturgy conference, actually. Yeah, so you went out there with a priest friend and another deacon to this really cool, you know. Yeah, it's an international liturgy conference. Sometimes it's in Europe, sometimes it's in the U.S. Happens every three years. Right. And uh, it happened to be in San Francisco this year. Well, there you go. So we went. Yeah, it sounds like, sounds pretty amazing. I mean, I was seeing some of the pictures you were showing me that cardinals and bishops and mm-hmm. people like that there. And you were, you know, there in your, you know, your, Deacon stuff, like serving mass with a cardinal next to you. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Which is not often you get to do that. Definitely not. And I've, I think it's the second time I've had an actual conversation with a cardinal in my life. I was thinking about that. I've, I've talked to Cardinal Dolan before in New York. Right. Oh, and Cardinal O'Malley. Right. Too. But Cardinal Pell and Cardinal Saro at this conference, and they attended the whole conference. They didn't just speak. They did speak, which was awesome. But they right. also attended. Okay. And hung out at the breaks with people. Just like they're regular human beings. They are. And uh, that was really neat. And I asked Cardinal Sarah, I've, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, but I asked him the most important question I could think to ask. What did you ask him? How do you say your last name? Okay. Because everyone says his last he's, name. He's from Africa, right? He's from Africa. Okay. French-speaking part of Africa. And people say Sarah. They say Sarah. Uh, but I've never heard him say his name. Okay. So I just had to know. And? Sarah. Just plain Sarah. Which no one ever says, because they feel, I guess, disrespectful calling him a woman's name. Sarah. (laughs) Sarah. Yeah, he said Sarah, as if, like, of course. Of course. I said, well, thank you, because a lot of people don't don't say it right. No time is a... (laughs) Sorry, the 80s tunes just always kind of, you know, creep in. So anyway, okay, highlight from your trip. Like, just pick one thing, because I know there's a lot, but... You know, you were gone for a few days, but yeah, highlight from your trip. I think the most profound thing that's that's I've been thinking about right. was when in Cardinal Sarah's presentation, he said that the guiding principle for all of us in forming ourselves and others in the liturgy must be to encounter Christ and prepare to receive all the gifts he wants to give us in the liturgy. Hmm. And that's resonated with me a lot. Like that's He said that was the center of it where... We have graces that God wants to give us in the liturgy hmm. that we have to be prepared to receive every drop of it. You know, that was his implication, that there's nothing there's nothing we want to leave on the table, so to speak, or on the altar. Like, we want to soak in everything God wants to give us. Hmm. And that has to be the center of everything we do to form people in the liturgy. Yeah, I mean, imagine, you know, if you and I... Were that cognizant at every liturgy, like like our hearts were like fully engaged, right? But mm. every Catholic in the world went to mass with that same anticipation and heart to receive all that God wanted for them. Like how much that would change the world, right? Like, yeah, you know, I think you you and I were talking, you know, over lunch before we were recording the show of just like one of the sort of the main themes. Like you're walking out away from that conference was just. You know, the church doing a better job to educate Catholics on, on the liturgy, like what actually happens at the Mass. And, and you know, obviously, like who who's present 
at the mass, Jesus, right? Like right. he's fully there, which is kind of cool. Like it obviously, cool. <laughs> pretty amazing. Well, it was great to be in an environment where, I don't know, you've experienced this. My whole life, there's been this tension around the liturgy where, you know, there's sides or there's um, particular preferences or agendas all the time, just right. all the time. And so we, you know, people like you and me that have been around the block a bit of different experiences. Like we learn to navigate this, right? Like we're comfortable in this situation or that mm-hmm. situation. Like right. we're, it's fine, but that tension's still there. And what was beautiful was being in an environment where that tension was not there. And, um, and the goal was just simply discipleship in the liturgy. You know, what does the Lord want from us in the liturgy? And, uh, you know, th- this idea that to be a disciple of Jesus is, it's not like a different idea than the liturgy. In fact, the first place we follow Jesus is to the cross, mm. where he wins our salvation by his sacrifice. And right. that sacrifice is represented in every Mass and perpetuated through the ages for all of God's people through the liturgy of the Church. And all the sacraments that save people, Jesus is present. And so my discipleship is not something different than liturgy or different than Mass, but in fact, it's the source and summit of it, which right. is what we talked about. Yeah, um, And so to just have... This understanding where all these things that tend to clash or people, I don't know, I don't know why people feel so insecure about the Mass where I have to think, oh, I'm not into liturgy, I'm into discipleship, or I'm not into traditional Mass, I'm into the new stuff, or I'm not into the new stuff, I'm into the traditional stuff. Like, why do we do that? You know, because Christ wants to give us grace through all of it. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Well, I was in West Texas, Mm. and it was hot. (laughs) How hot? I would say it hit like a hundred, but it was dry hot. You ever have somebody tell you that? He's like, well, yeah, but the, it was dry. Yeah, it was dry hot, like an oven. <laughs> Dried me out like beef jerky. Yeah, <laughs> but pretty cool because we had a group of men who went out for um, a retreat out at a ranch. And I've talked a little bit about these sort of adventure faith retreats, Catholic, yeah. you know, having mass out there and confession and adoration, but yet like experiencing like the outdoors and the adventure and you know, all those things were phenomenal. And, you know, a couple of guys had some really, you know, powerful experiences just, you know, by just kind of being ordinary, mm. you know, and like mm-hmm. being a just a guy. And then in the midst of the ordinary, Jesus is there. Like he shows up, mm-hmm. you know, and what's cool, like you're talking about the liturgy is like you could be at this ranch and you could be a guy just like driving Jeeps and outdoors and maybe shooting some guns or whatever. And then, and then we have mass and and like you said, the source and summit, but the reality is like God comes into the ordinary. Mm -hmm. We are the ordinary. Like God comes to us humbly to, to give us everything that he has, right. To save us and rescue us. And the summit of that, the source of that is the liturgy, right? Like mass, like, so, you know, wherever you're at on, on the, evangelization or discipleship path or people who are far away, like maybe, yeah, maybe the, their first initial turnaround or conversion is not through the liturgy. Maybe it is, mm. but it, everything should lead back to that, right? Like mm. everyone's course is recorrected and towards, you know, like bringing people into the fullness of the faith through the liturgy, right? Like, so, you know, when I was a teenager, like I, yeah, I could care less about the mass. Like my conversion yeah. happened outside of the liturgy, but as I grew in Christ, then like the liturgy became the apex, right? Like, and that's important for men, I think, because I'm sure you see this on these retreats when people maybe they haven't engaged with Jesus in a significant way at all, let alone at mass, and then all of a sudden they get into an environment where that's their focus that becomes alive in them, and then 
the mass becomes something totally new because Jesus is there. But I think men need to know what the mass is because it's a work. We like to work. We like to do things. Mm-hmm. What's happening at mass is that we're worshiping Almighty God by offering His Son Jesus Christ to Him in reparation for the sins of the world. We're saving the world at every mass. But the liturgy is a work. It's, it's a, a work. work of God. That's what it's the a, word means, a public work. A public yeah. work, and it's a work of God, and yeah. it's a work of the people. It's a communal right. prayer. You know, it's not just Jesus having the Mass, like, in an echo chamber, you right. know. He could have done that without coming to earth. Right? And we're watching through, like, a glass window, right? you know. And it's not just the, the people, the community gathered and being like, hey, how's it going? No, like, this is a, a work of community, you know, mm. of, of the sacrifice that's happening, and it's beautiful. So anyway, uh, good stuff, man. Glad you're yeah. back. Yeah, it's you great survived to be the West Coast. I did. <laughs> and here you are. You know. Back. All right. So speaking of, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. Have you seen the growing sausage vending machine craze in Germany? This is a real thing. This is a real thing. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. No, I haven't. But it probably. Sounds like one of the most disgusting have you seen you've ever brought up. I don't know. I don't know because uh, as Cajuns, I think we could appreciate this because I'm looking at the picture. I don't know if you want to look at it with me. Okay. So it's a vending machine that has sausages. It looks, you know, like we're used to seeing this at our grocery stores where. Now, this is in Europe. Right. But they have like a, a meat section with like seasoned meats and prepared things and sausages. Okay. Well, that's basically what this is, but in a vending machine. In a vending machine. And it's it's cool. So it's like refrigerated. Mm. And people put money in, and get, but it's all raw. Like That's a, the point I don't get. Winter schnitzel, yeah, like all those things. Frankfurters, the, Frankfurters. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I I think we could copy that here in Louisiana. Like you have boudin, boudin balls, mm-hmm. some some Cajun sausage. Here's the deal. Like, so years ago, I took a group to Rome for a World Youth Day, and it was like 2000. Mm-hmm. JP2 was still the uh, Pope, awesome show. Anyway, we're out there, and like they would give you like bag launches and things like that, you know. And so you would distribute it amongst, you know, your group. And like we got this one where it was like this canned meat, and you open it up, you know. And we're all Americans, obviously, and so like canned meat is not something that like most people eat here. Like, you know, if you're like starving in the woods, like you have like canned meat or something, but like it's not something we eat every day. So we like pop these this canned meat and there's like gelatin on top and then it's just green. Green. Yeah, green. Which is not typically a meat color. Yeah, not typically. And like kids start eating it and like throwing up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's like they weren't used to it and I couldn't I couldn't even I couldn't even contain the smell. <laughs> like it was that bad, but like all the Europeans were just like sh- shoving it down. They were just like rocking and rolling. They were loving it. And they're like, "This is the best thing ever." And I was like, "Really? Oh, yeah." And like all our Americans were like throwing up. It was Literally throwing disgusting. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, and I would just say like, not all the, everything translates, you know, <laughs> across the pond. That the average weight loss of our group was 20 pounds on that two-week trip. Average? Average. In two weeks? Yes. Wow. Like, people just wouldn't eat certain foods because it was just, like, kind of weird. So That is weird. I do see some Do you see some green, green meat? meat? <laughs> yes, yeah, see? Like, I'm not making it up. <laughs> I, I, is it the seasoning? I guess that's what it looks like. But, um, well, these are taken off so much that there's over 570,000 of these in Germany. We're doing it. And it's replacing 
grocery stores with with uh, so like send me the link. Well, one, I'm starting it. One, one but of, see, here's the thing: in Cajun land, everyone needs to know is that like we cook everything. Yeah. Okay. With great care and yeah. seasoning. Yeah. Right. So you would have to figure a way to like really package it really well into. Um, you know, vending machine, but I think you can because that's in the grocery store. Like you'll have, you know, yeah. boudin, um, things well, like that. Well, for example, one butcher outside of his shop has one of these vending machines and he just puts his stuff out there. People come in, put their money, get their stuff and leave and never have to go in the store. That's great. But uh, support the butcher.com. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. So I don't know if. Uh, okay. Speaking of controversy with all this and the meats, but like, I don't know if you've seen this last week, the controversy online or like people posting. I, and I was trying to read about it and didn't get it. But so we celebrated this week um, the Feast of St. Maria Goretti, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a teenage saint who is like, you know, she died in 1902. So, you know, like not super long ago. Right. Right? right. And one of the largest crowds ever assembled at a canonization. Right. was over 250,000 people. And that's in 19. Now, I mean, she died in 1902, but like she was like canonized. Yeah. And um, her beatification was in 1947. So almost, almost 1950. So think about that. Like, you and know, that was the largest crowd up to that point that had assembled. For anything. For anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I mean, she's impressive. A lot of miracles in her name and, and whatnot. But anyway, there was this, like, this controversy floating around of like, really? you know, like Catholic, you know, like hipsters that don't like Maria Goretti or what? something. Like, yeah, it was really weird. And so like other people were like popping off saying like, you guys are nuts. Like, you know, her story is amazing. And like read about it. I mean. Well, I'm glad I didn't see that. I would have been mad. Yeah. I, so I don't know if you have seen the controversy. I have not. Okay. What are they saying? Why don't they like her? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, the church has officially canonized her miracles in her name. She's extremely impressive. She was 12 years old when... I have heard this, if this is it, but I've heard people question whether she was actually a martyr or not. That's That was the controversy, yes. Okay. That, like, that was like, of the things, that was like the top. Like, was she an actual martyr? Right. But I don't know how you say that she wasn't because like... As she was being beaten and murdered, uh, and as this guy was trying to rape her, she was, like, in the name of Jesus, like, calling right. on his name and, like, praying and, you know, and then he killed her, you know? Like, right. I don't know if maybe the controversy is, did he kill her specifically because she was a Christian, right? But the fact that she was proclaiming God and uh, was extremely virtuous and was murdered, then, you know, like... Well, it's exactly like the early church virgin martyrs, um, St. Agatha, St. Lucy. Yeah. It was the same situation. It was just not as drawn out because in their situation, someone wanted them sexually. Yeah. They said, no, I belong to Christ. Yeah. And then they arrested them and said, you must. And they had said no. And then they were killed. Right. In this case, Marie Goretti's judge, jury, and executioner was the same person. It's my best chance for heaven. To be martyred. Yeah. Mm. Well, to be a saint, for I mean, sure. it's all of our best chance for heaven. I mean, it's like a straight pipeline yeah. to the kingdom. Absolutely. But he, he tells her, do this or I'm killing you. She says, no, because it's a sin. So she said, because it's a sin, and you can't do it because you'll go to hell too. 100%. And, uh, and he kills her. Yeah. So it's the exact same scenario as the early church martyrs. But She died. Her murderer was sentenced to 30 years in prison. He did 27 years. 
uh, the story goes that he had like hardness of heart the whole time. But yeah. in prison, he had a vision of Maria Goretti holding flowers and had a conversion to Christ. And as soon as he got out of prison, he went to her mother to ask forgiveness. Now think about that. Like, you know, conversion happens when you're willing to repent and yeah. ask forgiveness, right? Like that's the, like one of the main signs of a conversion. Like your heart is just completely changed. So he goes to her mother, you know, and so um, in 1947, Maria Goretti was canonized. Her 82-year-old mother, wow, two sisters and her brother appeared with Pope Pius Twelfth on the balcony of St. Peter's. Pretty awesome. How awesome is that? Three years later, at Maria's canonization, um, her murderer um, knelt among the quarter million people, cried in tears of joy. Man, that brings me, you know, goosebumps. I mean, it's... I mean, I... It's amazing. Well, and he and he, uh, he has a conversion to the faith. Of course, he was Catholic, but just not a very good one. Uh, becomes a religious himself, and uh, his cause for canonization is now open. Wow! What? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to talk about that. You just blew my mind. All right, we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George Deacon, Adam Conk. I want to get me a, a boot out of the uh, vending machine outside. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Send me the link. I got someone who's going to get. Don't look. I say this all the time on the show. Don't steal our ideas. Well, this is how Adam and I finally <laughs> make some money so we can continue <laughs> to do true. the work we're doing. Well, Cajuns will appreciate this. Not only is it the sausages, but they also sell potato salad. Mm. So, can you imagine a gumbo vending machine? Maybe. Talk to me, Goose. Gumbo and potato salad just outside this at is, your workplace. Okay. I mean, look, if there's a place outside of Germany that's going to work, it's Louisiana. That's book, right. People just do food. Well, like, we need to connect with like these that's Like, that's what we do here. That's right. <laughs> you know? Like, honestly, like, every season has sort of a menu. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about that. Like, there's a gumbo season. There's a crawfish season. There's a shrimp etouffee. Like, it all has seasonal... And it's all good all the yeah. time, you know, hands down. Okay. So. Okay. Let's you know, do it. There you go. Okay. You blew my mind before the break. Okay. So Maria Goretti's murderer was Alessandro Serenelli. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he served 27 years in prison for murder, which, you know, I mean, he got off, you know, but he was 66 years old, repentant when she was canonized. He's out of prison. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah. All right. So you told me before the break that he he's up for canonization. Like, what? yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not going to do this story justice. If you haven't read or or seen a documentary or film about uh, Alejandro, it, it's amazing. So yeah, he has this conversion, gets out of prison, goes to Maria's mother, who then treats her. She treats him like a son from that moment forward. Like they. <sighs> They're close after that. Her mother should be up for canonization. Yeah. I mean, think about that, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, these saints aren't born in a vacuum. You just finished working on your next book, right? And you you right. researched um, St. Louis Martin uh, along with other yeah. male saints. Yeah. I mean, St. Therese didn't just come from nowhere, right? right? Um, yeah. St. Marie Goretti the same way. I mean, she died at 11, a saint, not – it wasn't just her idea. I mean, her mom must have had faith and a deep faith. And that was definitely obvious when she forgave – not only forgave her murderer, like, I forgive you, but embraced him as her own son. For the rest of her life. That's crazy. The the act of forgiveness. But I he mean, he enters religious life, and I don't know which order. Um, and I don't know if he became a priest or not. Wow. Probably not. If he was sixty six, but right. he, a brother, and uh, spent a, a life in penance, but also telling the story of Maria Goretti and promoting devotion to her. And hmm. and uh, he died in holiness. And I believe the if the cause of his canonization has not been opened, it's it's being pursued heavily. You know what's crazy about heaven is like. If they're, you know, Maria Goretti's in heaven because she's a saint. Like, it, and if he's there, right? Like, I'm assuming that he's, you know, there in a sense of like he's on the road to sainthood or whatever. Is they have no idea what happened on earth in heaven uh, between each other. Mm. You know, like, she, I don't think she can look at him in heaven and be like, "You're the one that murdered me." Like, mm -hmm. is that like because it's all it's all beauty, it's all truth, it's all love. Well, and you know, we have. I mean, heaven is an experience. Okay, like we just tell the story. If you've never heard the story the first time, if you're listening and you never heard this, you just had some kind of moment inside of you. Like when you heard this beautiful beauty is often experienced in two apparently disjointed things or discordant things, things that shouldn't go together, mm -hmm. being brought together in a harmony. So, for example, um, not to get nerd out too much, but I mean, that's like in, that is what you do. But like in music, if you hear two people singing at the same time, mm -hmm. different notes. So they shouldn't go together. But when they do go together in harmony, there's a beauty to that that's very deep. So when you have someone who murdered someone and the person he murdered, both being can't, like finding holiness in Jesus Christ and living together forever in heaven, that's beautiful. Because that shouldn't go together, the, the one who murdered and the one who is murdered. But Christ has brought about this harmony and this beauty that's so deep. So when you hear about that and you, you go, wow, heaven, part of the joy of heaven is seeing them and everyone else who has those kind of stories all living in harmony. and, and uh, But you don't see them in their other. sin or in their brokenness. No. So it's all love. So it's Redemption, not like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're married. Yeah. I'm married. Um, our goal in marriage is to get each other to heaven. Like that's that's the vocation, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the sacrament. Now, you know, when we get to heaven, we're not married, right? You know, so we don't know our former spouse as our spouse, right? Like right. we're we're totally, you know, in union and in love with with Jesus, with God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. Like that's all that matters. We just see everyone in love. Right. This this is the mystery. Like I don't know all the answers, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy, and and the beauty of that is that our life on Earth really is so short compared to the eternity of heaven. We're that, getting so nerd Catholic <laughs> that I think we have to go into whatever you have for weird <laughs> weird Catholic stuff. <laughs> What? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of weird, Paul. No weirder than you. Yeah, I am weird. Yep. But so are you. Yep. Because Catholics are weird. Apparently. Oh, weird Catholic stuff. 
So, I mean, we've been so weird. We're just going to go right into it. So what do you got? This one's kind of personal to me. I'll just tell you this because <laughs> it's recent. Okay. And it has a lot to do with me. I have no idea what you're going to say. So you know that I'm a Catholic nerd. Yeah. That's what I love about you. And it's pretty rare for me to hear about... I mean, there's a lot of saints I've never heard of. Sure. I mean, because there's a lot. But to hear about a well-known saint that I've never heard of, like, oh, yeah, a lot of people know this person. Really? Um, But this happened to me exactly uh, three days ago. Three days. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's St. Arnold. So just no last name? Uh, No, this was so early that there's no last name. Just St. Arnold. Long Um, long time ago. In the uh, 600s. 600s. And uh, so I'm hearing about St. Arnold for the first time. And apparently this is like a lot of people are devoted to St. Arnold, like in Europe and things like that. Okay. Okay. Well, come to find out his his feast day, which is not universal. This is why I didn't know this. But, you know, you have all these local feast days everywhere. His feast day is my birthday. Okay. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm connected to this guy. So you just randomly hear about him. You look him up. You're like, wait, he's on my birthday. Exactly. Okay. And, uh, you know, Adam Arnold, kind of similar. I don't know. You're close. Am, am, I, am I finding a new connection? There's two. There's a, they both start with an A. Well, then I find out. Come on. He's the patron saint of something I like, which is beer. Beer. That, that I guess. Mm-hmm. So we have a patron saint of beer? Yes. This is where, like, you know, the pr- certain Protestants that don't drink, not all of them do. You know, it depends on what church, right. you know, whatever. They're like, you, y'all are strange. You have a patron saint of beer. <laughs> is he Irish? No. Um, he was Austrian. Because the Irish know, have, you know, Austrian. the reputation of being the drunkards and the no, saints. he was Italian. He's Italian. Wait. No, he, yeah, Austrian. Okay. He lived in Italy, but apparently he's from what was called Austrasia, which became Austria. Okay. Just like Arnold Schwarzenegger's from Austria. That, that is same, true. Same thing. Yeah. Um. But no, he, uh, so the, the story about the beer is that in July of 642, it was very hot, okay? And his parishioners, being a, a bishop, a, a priest okay. in Metz. Okay, so St. Arnold was a priest. Priest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he actually, he did become a bishop, and he was married initially. I don't know if his wife died when he became bishop. This was early on, so those things happened. But he was married, had kids, then became priest and bishop of Metz. Well, anyway... Uh, parishioners came to visit um, his area because there was a saint buried in that area, but they went on pilgrimage and they were very, it was very hot and they were um, thirsty. Okay. Well, anyway, um, no, no, no. I'm getting the story wrong. Okay, I'm reading it. Arnold was dead. His parishioners who loved him were coming on pilgrimage to him. But he was dead. He was dead. Okay. But they, it was a long journey. Like, was he buried? Or from, they didn't know he was no, dead No, he was yet. buried. Okay. Uh, they were coming from Rimerant to Metz, where he was buried, and it was hot, and they were thirsty. And so one of the parishioners in the pilgrimage line prays this prayer. By his powerful intercession, the blessed Arnold will bring us what we lack. And immediately, a small remnant of beer at the bottom, bottom of a pot multiplied in such amounts that the pilgrim's thirst was quenched and they had enough to enjoy the next evening when they arrived in Metz where he was buried. Are you serious? So they had a little bit of beer with them. The beer was multiplied for everyone to drink it. And then there's enough to throw a, a feast when he when they got to Metz. More beer. Jeez. So he multiplied the beer from heaven. I wonder if we should. There is a, um, a brewery here yeah. in the United States called St. Arnold. 
Yes. Have you ever heard of it? Well, the only reason I heard of it, I think it's in Texas. In research, yes. Yeah. Well, that's apparently that's why because he's a patron saint of beer. Yeah. Saint Arnold Brewery. Yeah. They stole it. They got ahead of the game. And you're just finding out about it. Just finding out. And that, that is weird. I mean, I think this qualifies as weird Catholic stuff that uh, saints in heaven worry about our beer supply. I mean, he basically did a beer run for the people on earth. Right. And just gave them lots more beer. I love it. <laughs> as, as for much, free? As much as they wanted. Yeah. And that's weird yeah. that, that heaven, as Catholics, we're saying that heaven is concerned about our beer. Mm. But it makes sense. I mean, Jesus was concerned about the wine at the wedding feast of Cana. Very much. So just continuing that tradition. Well, not only that, like God was concerned about water. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, Moses tapped the rock and like water came out of the rock and, you know, they were thirsty. It was a drought. You know, the sign of God was water. I mean, there's something about liquid and God providing. I, You know, I don't know beer. I do know this, that there are um, a lot of uh, monks who, mm-hmm. you know, who have breweries, okay? Yeah. Uh, like the, the Trappist monks yeah, have a brewery. Famous, yeah. Um, and they'll go on a fast, say a 40-day fast of no food, Okay. This is another weird Catholic stuff. But they will drink beer. Mm-hmm. Now, not like over drink, drink. Because there, there's liquid, there's some water in there, and there's also a little bit of calories, right? So there's calories in beer because it's made from like, you know, wheat, whatever. It's like drinking bread at, you know, right. liquid. Especially the way they make it because it's so thick. Thick. Liquid bread. So yeah. they'll get the calories they need, but they won't eat any food, right? Mm-hmm. Which is weird. That is weird for 40 days. Yeah, because if they just did water... You know, it's like, oh, they're, they might die. Yeah, and um, I don't know if enough Catholic folks know that that's been a path to holiness, 40 days of beer. But that's been a What if we did that for holiness. this one, like we prepared for it? You know, I, I know some people did. There's that. a great beer that pr- could probably sustain me for 40 days. It's called Chimay. Yeah? It's, yeah. it's from a trappistry uh, in Belgium. I think it would, yeah, and it's, the monks. it's uh, probably pretty pricey to drink every day for 40 days because mm. it's a it's pricey beer. Yeah, it's like a yeah. Well, maybe if someone wants to donate Chimay to us enough, and then St. Arnold can multiply it. Well, if we grow our um, vending machines, we'll be able to afford it. <laughs> Chimay vending machines? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be good. That um, would be good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as we were talking about all this, you know, and the life of St. Maria Goretti. And her mom, like I'm, I'm extremely impressed with the whole conversion. Like her mom was a faithful follower and disciple of Jesus, and then the conversion of her, her murderer. Um, <clears throat> you know, the reading this Sunday, like the gospel reading, is like one of those. It's it's like one of the highest gospel readings. It's like the apex. It's like the summary of the gospel. It's like when you read the Beatitudes. It's like Jesus just summed up everything you need to know mm-hmm. in one sermon, you know, the Sermon of the Mount. And you're like, if you could just clip that out and live by it, then you live the whole gospel. Like, you're not missing anything, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. Like, you know, the reading, the gospel reading, the Sunday is kind of like that. That's not, it is like, if you live this, like that sets you on the course following Jesus for the rest of your life. Now, harder said than done. You know, so there was a scholar of the law who stood up, gospel readings in Luke chapter 10, um, to test Jesus and said, teacher, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? Because that's what we all want, right? We want to, you know, we want to go to heaven, even if we don't know that's where we want. Our, our hearts are created for it, right? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? Question mark. 
how do you read it? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he replied to him, you had answered correctly. And this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. That's it. I mean, like, you know, the, you know, there it is. Now, here's the tension that we live in in the world right now is what is the interpretation of that, right? Like, you know, what does it mean to love God and love neighbor? And then people sort of dilute that and water it down and interpret that in all their various ways. You know, well, I love God, but I can still do whatever I want. Oh, I love my neighbor, and I can still allow them to do whatever they want. And so we live in this, like, world where we interpret this scripture in a sense of, like, whatever we want it to mean. Mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't mean it that way. I mean, you're touching on something that's very important, challenging to all of us, is, you know, when God's word is simple and pure, but it comes from his own mind, right? So it's not like we follow a book. We follow God, but God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, and that revelation comes to us in scripture and tradition. And when we hear a reading like this, you're right, that's a summary of the gospel, to love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. That comes from a mind, the mind of the one who said it, who right. who who revealed that word to us, not our own mind. No. And so this is one of the reasons St. Peter tells us no scripture is a matter of personal interpretation, because to interpret scripture, we have to get into God's mind who said the thing. Right. And even Jesus, like, catapults into, like, explaining it. It's like, well, then what does it mean to love your neighbor? And he goes into the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Right. And, you know... The, the man fell victim to robbers and he was on the road and some people passed him up. And then finally the good Samaritan picked him up, took care of him, you know, and <clears throat> this is a lot of where, you know, in Catholic social teaching, we, we, we live out this, you know, this social justice where we are called to love and take care of people, all people of all dignities, all backgrounds, races, shapes, sizes, the born, the unborn, everyone. Like this is, you know, at the apex of what it means to love God and love neighbor is to actually love everyone, right? But at the same time, like Jesus also explained to the woman in adultery how much he loved her and forgave her and yet asked her to sin no more, like to correct course. So to love someone is also to be, uh, is also to help them to find that freedom in Christ. I can accept you and love you and at the same time love you enough to be honest with you about your lifestyle or your behavior or the path that you're going, right? Like it it becomes my moral obligation as a disciple to help you to find freedom in Christ. And sometimes that's really difficult, you know, you know, I'm on the back end of this book. It's, it's being edited. It's called Holy Grit. And it's, it's, it's the reality of bringing to light. It's specifically for men. I mean, all people can read it, but uh, the fact that like our call to holiness and our call to be gritty as men have to intersect at some point in our life where we'll never find true purpose. Right. But in the book, like I had to state some hard things, hard things that I've had to learn and still learning, but they're hard truths that Jesus calls us to. You can't just say, Hey, everything's fine. It'll be okay. Like do whatever you want. God loves you. Yes, he does. However, he does have a plan for you, and this plan as a disciple does cause us to make significant changes where we find freedom. 
anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. Like what Jesus says is, is difficult. Well, and one of the reasons he said that what he said to follow up with this, this scribe or the scholar of the law was because he knew what needed to be challenged in this man. Because you could answer, I mean, Jesus could answer that question a million different ways that are all true. Like, who is my neighbor? He could say, well, your neighbor is this, your neighbor is that. So why would he say this parable to this man at this time? And, and to a man, like to your point about men's heart need to be challenged, there's something gritty about being challenged by the Word of God to give up the way I see things, the way I want things to be, to give way to the way Christ says they are, the way that God reveals them to be. And it takes a certain amount of grittiness to not be egotistical. Because hmm. to me, that's one of the, the barriers of being gritty, is that when I'm egotistical and I want to see the way things the way I see them, and I'm not willing to give away the way God actually reveals them to be, um, I become so self-centered that I become disconnected from reality, disconnected from my neighbor. This is what happened to the priest and the Levite in, in Jesus' parable. They were disconnected from the needs of the victim of the robber, not for bad reasons. Right. Right, because when you see God, then you start to see others. Yes. Right, like when you, and then when you see God for who he is and his love, you begin to see yourself in that love, and then you yep. begin to see others. You Which know? is real. Right. Gritty, like you were saying. But what disconnects us from that grit, the priest was focused on himself. Mm-hmm. The Levi was focused on himself. And the Samaritan was willing to not be focused on what he was trying to accomplish, but become centered on charity to the robber's victim. Right. All three could have done that, but it was only the, the foreigner, the non-Jew, who actually did that. Right. And this is the example that Jesus is using, right? Like it's the, it's the foreigner, the non-Jew, who gets it. Mm-hmm. And this is the getting the attention of, you know, the people that he's talking to, right? right? Like he's just getting their attention. Like, hey, 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 like to love God means, and let me give you an example. And then, you know, he's got their attention. And I think God wants to get all of our attention, like, you know, to, to love God better and to love others better. Like this is our life's work. Like the moment that I look in the mirror, or you look in the mirror, I'm like, I got it. <laughs> right? Like I love God perfectly today and everyone else. Like, you know, it's our life's work to grow into that. It, it's to grow in love with God and with others. And yet, hopefully there's days we do it better than we don't, but we're never perfect at it, right? Because God's the only one that's perfect. But it, it should be our life's cause to do that. I don't know. Well, and every, every day, if we're breathing again, we have the opportunity to give our life again because giving our life is not, it, it's a human act that is repeated over and over and over. In eternity, we'll give our life to God in that first moment of heaven in an eternal way that's definitive, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, I, don't, I don't have to give myself over and over and over in heaven because heaven is one moment. It's that one giving of myself to God in heaven. But on earth where there's time, where things change, I have to give myself over and over. This is the nature of human relationships. Our spouse relationship is just like this. Our relationship with our kids and our friends. We have to give ourselves over and over. So when it comes to today as a disciple of Jesus, I have to be connected to reality enough to see where Jesus is calling me into the ditch or into the the, the charitable act today that <clears throat> requires me to get out of myself and give to the other. And I can't just rest on everything I did yesterday or in the past. Like, for example, the priest and the Levite, 
they gave themselves to hours of study and prayer and probably gave money and was did good works in, in their past. But they had gotten to a point in their life where they were so disconnected from what was real in front of them that none of the stuff in the past mattered, that they were not, like Jesus says in the other parable, asked the scholar of law, who was neighbor to the robber's victim? Mm-hmm. The scholar says, well, I guess the one who treated him with mercy. Right. And that's the thing. The, we can't become so advanced in our discipleship that we're no longer able to see with mercy people that need us. But at the same time, um, Jesus is not promoting like non-Jews. He's not promoting like nobody should be Jewish. Everybody should be a Samaritan. But what he is saying is, what did the Samaritan do that the priest and Levite did not? And that is accessible to everyone. You don't have to be a priest or Levite, you know? Like for us, every baptized Catholic can be the good Samaritan to bring Christ into the ditches. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Kong. The Paul George. You got the show on podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, and on the radio here in Acadiana, KLFT. Um, yeah, it's exciting times, man. Dude, I got good news. What? Better than vending machines. What? This has been a long journey for us, Adam. What? A long journey. I'm talking about 18 months together. I've had braces, and I get them off next week. Next week? Next week. You excited? When we do the show next week, I, I won't have a lisp. Are you going to be able to talk, though? I don't know. what. Do you need to recover from this? Like, how does this work? Is I your have, mouth not going to work for a little while? I have no idea. Well, we'll find out together. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I've never, like, honestly, like, I think it, it, you know, braces are all about the long game, and it's horrible, especially as an adult, and I never had them as a kid. So there's a lot of course correction. There's a lot to the spiritual life that I've experienced by, nice. by just watching this. But um, I've, I haven't been, I'm going to be real honest, I haven't been this excited for something in a long time. <laughs> it like, is exciting. Like, honestly. So um, what day are you getting it off? Um, Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. Man. Yep. Well, congratulations, Paul. You did. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you you mentioned the spiritual journey of this. I bet you've thought about that once or twice. Like, what? Man, if I can get spiritual braces, right? Like, some kind of thing in my heart or in my my soul that would correct it in a big, serious way, Mm -hmm. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Bet you've thought about that. Yep. Yep. You ever had this thought to yourself of, like, has, is someone so far gone? in their life that they can't have a conversion, you know, like they're so far gone and and just like 
their wounds and their brokenness and their lifestyle, like that they may never like, at least on this, during this time. Unless something very drastic happens. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you think about that and you like, you know, Lord, just help that person, you know, and save. I was reading this recent article <clears throat> and uh, this is weird, you know, but I thought it was like, wow. I was like, that's crazy. A guy, he started a satanic church. Okay, um, that's pretty far gone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he started a satanic church, which is crazy to think, like, that that's actually a thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's called, um, like, the Luciferian Church. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, like, it just makes your stomach kind of, like, turn, like, just to think that, like, people actively are, you know... You know, yeah. this is why we have like exorcisms and things yeah, that's like right. that. Well, well, he had he had like a powerful conversion. Like he went from like Satanist leader of a church, starting a church, to having like this conversion where he he experienced God, and like it radically saved his life. Wow. Yeah, I was reading about it. Crazy. That is. You know, crazy. and I just think like all the people. You know, we're talking about the Good Samaritan and like this Levi. It was on the side of the road. Like you know. The, the person that's like robbed and beat up and they're on the side of the road, that has all sorts of different meanings. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be someone physically homeless, someone physically beat up, so, someone who's less fortunate or poor, someone who's emotionally, you know, uh, you know, bound, beat up, someone who's, you know, just lonely you know, sad, like all the things like it, like that person represents so many people, mm-hmm. you know, and we live in a time and a culture where anxiety and depression is at its highest that we've ever seen. Uh, people feel more lonely than ever, despite the internet and being connected online. Um, yeah. Young people today report the highest, um, you know, statistics of anxiety and loneliness that they've ever have reported in, in like a young adult generation. And then uh, adults just don't talk about it. <clears throat> and so that that Levite on the side of the road is, in a sense, all of us, like when you read the scripture, but like the, the, um, the Good Samaritan is also all of us. Yeah. Right? To, to go and, and to rescue. You know, yeah, I remember, you remember the year of mercy some years back? Yeah. But that was um, merciful like the Father was the theme, but the logo was the Good Samaritan. And if you remember, the, the image was kind of strange, but it was, it was um, Jesus, who is the Father. Like, like their, their oneness is pretty clear in the, in the logo. Mm-hmm. But he's also the Samaritan in the ditch. And this idea that God identifies with us, he comes down to the ditch to be like us right so Mm -hmm. he was beaten he was treated like a criminal like a robber um but he was left for dead on the cross so he he comes down to our deepest sufferings even the anxiety you mentioned the depression he was so anxious that he bled out of his skin right i mean that i've never i've seen a lot of anxious people i've even seen people have panic attacks you ever seen that yes it's frightening it's like Mm -hmm. they're having a heart attack I've never seen someone like bleed out of their skin because they're so anxious. Mm. So he he experienced all of that to go in the ditch with us so that as he raises himself up, he raises us up out of that ditch. And the only hope that we have is that 
our death, our suffering has meaning beyond beyond itself and points to a resurrection with Christ one day so that there's meaning to the suffering, there's meaning to the anxiety. In this life, we might, and this is one of the things we have to be patient with each other about, even the ones that are, you know, you mentioned earlier that seem too far gone or will they ever have a conversion? We have to be patient because the the hurt, the pain, the anxiety, God wants to deal with it, but he might not heal it all in this life. Right. Even in ourselves, St. Paul talks about, mm-hmm. Lord, take this thorn away from me. And he says, no, my grace is sufficient. This life does have healing in it, but only complete healing comes in the next. So there's two things I want to bring up, because since we're all on saints today and like weird Catholic things, that I, I want to like maybe like pr- promote, call us all to, is this. is If you, there's two things. One, if you know someone who's like far gone, you're like, I've tried to talk to them, you know, there's just no hope. Like you're like, man, they're off. I want you to pray about a specific saint to come to mind. And, you know, whatever, whoever that saint is, you know, we're talking about St. Arnold, St. Mm-hmm. Marie Grady today, whatever. And, and, and then when that saint comes, I want you then assign that saint to intercede for that person, but you pray every day. So I just pray today, intercession of St. Arnold for so-and-so. And like, you just pray to God through the intercession of that saint. So there's like double prayer happening because the saint's praying for him now, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and then just keep keep going keep keep inter- interceding praying and asking that saint to pray for their their life you know and their conversion and just let god do the miracle right the other thing i would say is like for ourselves like if there's a, a thing in our life that a thorn in the side something that we can't shake an attitude a behavior a lack of virtue a sin an attitude a, a cloud a depression anxiety like pray specifically for a saint to like unite with you. Okay. So, and whoever it is, like you align with you, like you're like, man, I just connected with St. Arnold. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Or I connect with St. Maria Gretti or, you know, or whoever it is. Cause there's, there's a lot. And then you can really pray like then like lean into the intercession of that saint, like, and just pray specifically for that petition that you're praying for, for yourself through that intercession of that saint. And, and don't stop. Like, don't like, not like a one time, like, 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 this is like, we're going at this every day until, you know, Lord, you lift this cloud and through the intercession of St. Maria Gretti, we're going to pray specifically for this healing in my life or this release or this, you know, conversion or this depression or whatever. And watch the, like, the power of the saints and the power of Christ begin to work, like miracles begin to happen. Absolutely. Well, in one of two ways, and this reminds me of, by analogy, the uh, sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Mm -hmm. So the sacrament of the anointing of the sick works every time it's given. It's like confession. Every time you go to confession, all your sins are forgiven. It doesn't leave any out. It's like the Eucharist. God's fully present no matter what. Yeah, 100%. God always gives us 100%. So if you receive the sacrament and you're disposed to receive it, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, you're either going to be healed from that experience, because that's the purpose of the sacrament is healing, mm-hmm. physically healed, right? So no longer sick, which is rare, but it does happen. But 100% of the time, the suffering you're enduring, this is this was beautiful about it, the suffering you're enduring becomes the sacramental sign of the sacrament that con- it's connected sacramentally to Christ's suffering on the cross. It's connected to his suffering that saves us, mm-hmm. and it makes your illness, whatever it is, 
become a means of holiness because it's uniting you to Christ. Hmm. And this is what St. Paul learned and what we all learned because what you're saying is 100% correct. We pray every day that whatever we're suffering from or whatever's keeping us from, from um, either happiness or holiness, we pray that God takes it away through the intercession of a saint. Just like when someone's sick, you should pray that they get better, right? Like we sh- It's not like we should just say, oh, you're sick. Sorry, it's God's will. We should pray that God heals that person because right. sometimes he does. Right. But it's through that prayer, it's through that action, that daily devotion to that, that at the very least, God is going to turn that suffering into a means of union with him. And one day, he will take that pain away. One day, he will take it. It might be in the next life. But in the meantime, this anxiety, this depression, this suffering now becomes holy and becomes united to Christ. And you will be a greater saint because you have it than if, if you didn't. That's the only reason God would leave it in your life. Hmm. If you're praying the way you're describing, if it's a daily devoted prayer, um, if you're staying close to God, the only reason God would leave that suffering in your life is because you're going to be holier in heaven forever because of it. Hmm. And that's a beautiful thing, because that means there's nothing in this life that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Sickness or trial or depth, height or power, nothing, if we pray the way you're describing, every day, faithfully. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of things I need to pray for, but I'm going to pick one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And just like lean, like you pick the thing that you like, this is the thing I need most healing for or release from or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And just pick a saint and go for it. And I've been doing that. And I, I, I honestly, like, I feel a sense of freedom in that area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it may not totally ever be like something that goes away, like the little thorn, but I think the, the, I think God wants to heal us and set us free, you know? Well, you said the key word there, freedom, because mm-hmm. it can be in my life and I can be free from it exactly. at the same time. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, 100%. You know, and then my second intention is, you know, to pray for the sausage vending machines. <laughs> Well, apparently God's been taking all those prayers and concentrating them in the country of Germany. Boudin on the Bayou. Boudin on the... That's the name of the vending machine? 24-7. That's the other thing about vending machines. It can be 24-7. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put these Boudin machines downtown after people <laughs> go out. <laughs> I mean, it's just like... Yeah. I mean, other than they get stolen, you're, you're probably going to make some money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you need like bulletproof glass, you know, because people are going to be breaking that and just taking all your Boudin. I'm going for it. <clears throat> All right. This is our next deal. Paul's Boudin. No, I, it doesn't even have to have my name on it. It's just collect checks. That's all I'm saying. You know, like... Call it the Boudin basket. Yeah. Boudin, Boudin basket. box. Boudin box. That's it. <laughs> like red box. Yeah. Boudin box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's all going to come together through the intercession of St. Arnold. <laughs> you know, Boudin beer. I mean... Now you're talking. So one row is Boudin, the next row is like Bud Light. Cajuns would eat that up. Yeah, yeah totally. Right. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> great show, man. Lots to talk about. We didn't get to everything, but we'll connect on it next show. Thanks, everyone, for listening in on the radio here in Acadiana, KLFT, or on the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Please share the show with others. And thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. God bless.